I'm Brian. Pretty sure. This is RB Talks. What's up, y'all? I don't know what that is. That's okay. I, we got stuff falling down in our little. We're, we're being attacked. My little slice of. Uh, little slice of man heaven. Yeah, I don't understand what's going on, but that's okay. It's okay. It's all right. So, how was your week, Rage? Awesome. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I smelled a percentage of sarcasm in that statement. Look, I mean, like, I, 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 I <laughs> it's, like, it's like you can't get it out. Well, all right, dude. So here's what I was thinking about this this week, right? So it's like you know I'm having some days where it's just you know, and and I think that's part of. I think when you're trying to live, right, yeah, you 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 are you experience some attacks and stuff on those things, mm-hmm. and, and and if you are. And, um, you know, as I get, it's become a lot more as I get closer to the end of the, the, my time at Liberty, it seems like that's increasing. It's like, there's more things trying to get in the way. It's the devil, man. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Like, and you have to realize that, um, and I don't, I don't know if I've said this on the show. One of my favorite Charles Spurgeon stories, if you're not familiar with Charles Spurgeon, he was a. Uh, known got known as like the prince of preachers um and he he used to you know tra- travel around and, and preach and stuff but and he was a prolific writer and a very well um very good orator and, and um just this why he was called that he's just brilliant and uh one of his stories was like he was walking towards the, this other town to uh do a preaching engagement and uh, he realized he hadn't been accosted in in a while (laughs) and so he well you know and so he he broke down on the side of the road started praying god forgive me for whatever i've done i've apparently done something because he wasn't being attacked he felt like he should be you know if he's doing god's will then there's some there's there's a con you should there's attacks that will happen Yep, and so he said, "If God forgive me, I, I whatever I've done, help me find my way." And it was like he got back on the road, and he said it was like you know, short time after he got you know accosted. Well, if the devil's ignoring you, you're doing something yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah. Right? And, and so, so you know, and then he then he he thanked God again for you know finding his path and all that stuff. Now, now whether I don't remember where I saw that, I, I don't remember if that was a. Well, I've I've read a lot of Spurgeon, so I couldn't tell you where that was if I read it or I saw that in a sermon or something. But um, I always think about that at, at sometimes. And but at the same token, like we our our capacity for like when when somebody asks you how you are doing or um how's your week gone or whatever, like we do here every time. But and I'm not saying anything negative about that, but. Um, it's not really about the events. Yeah. I mean, you know, because even in the most horrific of times, there is like hope to be found. There's like, you know, there is lightness that can be brought into the darkness kind of stuff. Right. And so, I mean, I think it's really just a matter of like how, how you internalize and process through some kind of difficulty and the levels of those depend on the individual. You know, one one man's 
you know, little fly that is barely an irritation is another man's, you know, kryptonite kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's it. I was thinking about that this week because I mean, at the end, at the end of the day, right? If 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 you're doing your job right as a a husband and a man and a father, then you know you're even when you're going through like something's really irritating or uh, whatever the case may be, everything everybody's still going to be all right. You know, I mean, like at the end of the day, now you got some other stuff that happened, right? Sickness and disease and accidents and whatever. But I'm, I'm saying in general, like for things that are not outside of mortally wounding or, or you know, something like that, you're generally going to be okay. Mm-hmm. It's just about how you handle that and not let that affect your other aspects of life. Yeah. I mean, for me, like I, we were talking about last week, you know me feeling like I'm in the waiting period. Well, you know, I realized, you know, probably a day or two after we did the podcast, man, that it was, that's the devil, dude. Like he was just, and I, and I'm at a point now where I'm just like, you know what, what's going to come is going to come. Right. Like you're right though. It's not about, you know, the family getting sick or, or, oh, this person did this. It's never a really, that's never really what it's about. Like, it's just about, it's about how that lays on you and how it pushes you and in what direction you go in, right? Like, you know, you just got to learn to kind of be like, it's going to be all right, man. There's nothing that can, there's nothing that can be in or out of your control, right? So it's not on our control anyway. So I'll tell you, dude, I, I struggle with though. Cause like, it's like, if it affects what I have in mind, like I always have like a, a, a plan, pseudo plan. I would say like things I'm, I'm going to do, Yeah, you know? Um, and I always have like a, a mental, like not checklist necessarily, but like a mental thing. Like, okay, here's today. Here's, here's a month. Here's three months. Here's a year. Here's what I'm always, I always got that in my head for some reason. It's all, I'm just, I'm just like that. I th- I'm thinking all that. So when something happens and it interferes with that, I, the first thing I have to deal with is my own like ego saying, well, that's gonna, you know, you, you know, that's terrible. Cause you, now you're, you know, you can't do what this, 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 or it's going to delay this or whatever. And that's the, so it's like a, it's like a self, <laughs> I have to self-manage those almost selfish thoughts, right? That that's my first thing. And I was this is what I was thinking about this week. Uh like how, how <laughs> no, it's not really about me. I got to I got to put me aside cuz it, it's who cares what my list is. Is the ones that I'm responsible for that I have stewardship of or the things I have stewardship of am I fulfilling that duty, you know, before I'm taking care of other things that impact. So a long, long winded answer to say, like, it's just, you have to shrug off sometimes. I have to, I have to, I should say, shrug off this like ego self talk that is like, Ooh, you're going to, it's interfering with your, you know, your plan, you know? And that, it, but, and that's really silly, man. I just think it's, it's just, it's, but it's inbred. It's inbred in like a, all of us, I think. Yeah, I do the same thing. I'll be like, oh, man. even on a day for me, sometimes I'll have my whole day planned out. Like, here's the six things that are going to happen today. And then train wreck, and all of a sudden, and you're like, well, my day's ruined. Is it? 
<laughs> because you didn't get to do whatever, right? Um, but one thing I have learned to do is I used to kind of get panicky, right? Oh, no, this isn't happening. Now I've learned to just kind of just receive the information and stop and think for a minute and then respond that way. Still is not always the best response, but I find that my response is better overall um, because it really is. It's how I, it's how I take in the information and it's what I do with it. Yeah. And I've, I've found that if I just get, you know, kind of be quiet and just assimilate the information, um, then, then we're all good. Right. You know, it, as far as that goes, but you know, I feel like as of late, I feel like there's so much going on that it's what you're, I think what you're saying is true, but I also feel like there's a level of <laughs> the devil might be ignoring us sometimes because he's trying to shake the world hard enough to cause something to happen. I mean, the news this week, dude, so, so much, you know, I, I got to say we covered the whole Putin and Carlson interview last week. And then I got really disappointed this week because Tucker Carlson went on a, on a Russian media blitz and began filing reports about how great Russia is and how their economy is so much better than ours. Yet the, the average gross income inside of a Russian household is $400 a month. Whereas in the break that down, the average American household is $70,000 a month. So we're not a month. Well, $70,000 a year. So you break that down. It's, I mean, for, well, yeah, 9,000 rubles transfers to, you know, $100 American. You know, he went on some kind of propaganda tour trying to compare us to Russia and how Russia was great and that we're not and started talking about how this was going to turn him into a, in, you know, into a, what's the word he used? Into a, basically a rebel against America, so to speak. Like what, 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 what I'm going to say, what in the hell are you doing? You went over there, you did a great thing. You challenged Putin. You had a great interview. And then you decide to go on a seven day propaganda spree, shooting videos, telling everybody that Russia is better than we are. So now I'm starting to wonder what was your purpose initially for going over there? Yeah. I mean, it does definitely brings in some like, what's, what's, what's the motivation behind yeah. some of this stuff. And, but I, did, I haven't really seen any of it to be I've fair. watched it all, dude. Yeah. I'm sure it's, you, it's, I have it, not like my, I have not had zero time to do yeah. that. I mean, well, so. and, and a great example would be, you know, even in the old propaganda films, World War II, um, you know, the, all that stuff, they would have propaganda films, right? And they would take you to a city somewhere where the enemy was, and they would stage the city to make it look clean and wonderful mm -hmm. and send out this propaganda video. Well, he went to the Russian train station, which most obviously had been staged to be clean and running on time. And because he went where Putin's men took him, right? Putin, Putin, I, I feel like Putin literally used him to shoot a propaganda video and then in the meanwhile murdered his enemy. And, you know, I mean, there's this, it's it, for me, it just ruined the whole, 
the whole power of the interview he did with Putin by him going over there and basically without saying it directly saying that America wasn't as good as Russia and we all should be envious. And, and I'm like, what? You know, I don't want to make $400 a month, you know? And he's like, well, it costs, you know, he goes, the average household makes $400 a month to feed a family for a week costs a hundred dollars American. So you literally, you, you can't afford housing because if you're going to feed your family, that's all you can afford to do. So how is that great? How is that fair? I mean, I, 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 don't get me wrong. I think there's some really good things about Russian culture and their their society and stuff. Mm-hmm. I do. I do. I mean, there are things. Well, their architecture's beautiful. And- I mean, you know, I mean, and, and you know, oh. Excuse me. The Russian people in general have, have like done some incredible things, regardless of whatever regime was in power. Yeah. So I don't want to take anything away from that, but but at the same time, you know, the the greatest economic and military force ever created in this world is the United States of America. Uh-huh. It still is. Now we have our. We, don't get me wrong. We have lots and lots of issues, but we're still. No, no, you know who? Who? There's no one else that is is like us. Yeah. Still not. So, whatever. T- I don't know. Carl, you know this this whole this whole thing gets really. It really gets into these like <sighs> conspiracy theory pieces that you know things like this that yeah. happen that come you're kind of you know that set you at e- unease. Yeah. You have to question like okay. You, where's that coming from? Who's pulling the strings? It's not Tucker Carlson, yeah. probably. I don't know, but I'm saying that you know, it's it's. I, I'm just gonna disregard it and say whatever because at this, I don't really care. Like I care what, like if he was if he was saying something that I've now look, he he could be over there and just be inspired by Putin's leadership because I've probably. I mean, obviously that he is a good. I mean really good leader in a way that I would, I would say that he's probably inspiring in that way and maybe getting wrapped up into that ravel of that kind of thing. But I don't know, man, it's just sound that sounds bizarre. Yeah. It, it, the whole thing was, was very unsettling. It was very unsettling. Um, and then of course, I don't know if you've paid it, paid attention to the Fannie Willis trial. I'm not dude. Have you ever talked to someone? I'm going to ask for some lenience in what I'm about to say, but have you ever talked to someone and just known in the first eight to 10 seconds that that person is a complete and utter moron? Oh, yeah. Welcome, to, a- Fanny, welcome to Fanny Willis, bro. Welcome to a woman who is the DA of Fulton County. She, she ran on the fact that the prior DA was sleeping with his employees, stealing money. And what did she get found doing? Sleeping with an employee and stealing money. And then had the nerve to go into the courtroom. First of all, had a dress on backwards. Sweet. Um, Maybe she prefers it that way. Went into the courtroom, became belligerent with the judge, belligerent with the attorneys, even with her attorneys at times, became belligerent. Wasn't supposed to testify, but for some reason thought it would be a good idea. Basically, like, 
Blitzkrieged the courtroom when she was ready to testify, was loud, obnoxious, and rude, and did herself zero favors, and is now in danger of not only losing her office, but being convicted of criminal negligence. Uh, dude. And, and it, and I only watched the testimony of her and the guy that, w- that she was sleeping with. And you've also been in a room with that person. You look at them and you're like, yeah, you're lying. When you were sitting there listening to both of them, you're like, yeah, you're both lying. Both of you are terrible liars. Like you're terrible. It's like, she, she would be like, no, he never came to my house. <laughs> well, I okay. just got a twitch I'm like okay uh, I mean it was bad like it was too, like it was really bad and uh, I've lost a lot of faith in our entire system over the last seven days like a lot of a lot of the stuff that I'm hearing and not because not because I didn't know what was going on but because the crazy has gone outside of crazy now to Dude, really? <laughs> Are did you say that out loud? We're 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 electing uh <laughs> crazy D- what there is a there's a technical term for when someone thinks they're better at something than they actually are. And I can't remember what the technical term is. It drives me crazy. There's I can't actually, either, to but be there's, honest, but there's yeah. a technical term for it. And it is so bleedingly obvious that she is the the, the standing definition of that term. But the, the, so the thing is about even how reliable is our voting systems now? I mean, really, this this compromised. It, you know what I'm saying? Like, really, all, all these people that you see, you're like, is this is this really working? Like, or because or, it's there's two one of two things. You have corruption. Well, I guess three things. You have corruption. You have like some kind of process or technology issue where votes are not being correctly counted. Yeah. Or the people are just that ignorant, right, in general, that they're voting in these people. So, so I mean, I don't know. It could be a mix of the. I, th- I think it's a toxic mix of all of them. I you think know what I mean? I think it's, first of all, our, the current – uh, and I don't, I'm not talking about our youngest kids, our 12s and 13s and 14 years old. I'm talking our current youngest generation of adults who were raised it as those as the, the snowflake, right? The millennials. They were snowflaked. They were told that they were special, even when they're not special. And they could be, you know, oh, you want to be a a butterfly that's half donkey? Well, go ahead, man. It's all you, right? Like, and then you have a, an utterly corrupt and broken system. From top to bottom, like there's no from local from local government all the way up to the highest form of government. It's broken and it's broken and it's it's corrupt. Well, I can tell you, I know from personal experience that is definitely the truth. I mean, yeah. you know, I I I I've known I know that from I can't say how, but I do. Um, I I think this goes. I think people's quest for self-fulfillment and happiness is getting in the way of truth and, and reality. Dude, I'm going to ask you straight up and I've never thought this before, but this thought popped in my head this week. Let's see it. Do you think we're, do you think it's all winded down, man? Do you think we're coming up on the, on the last days? Like, is cause I mean, men think they're women, women think they're men, you know, 
people think there could be animals. But we've had times in, in other cultures. Like, if you look at Greece. Yeah. Roman culture. Yes. I mean, that was that was the same. It was, I mean, you still had the same yeah. type of man, now, boy, love. And yeah. All that garbage, I mean, yeah. look, I mean, you still had all that. So, so now to what level? I think because our technology is the way it is, we get to see more of it than yeah. what obviously than, than, you know, the previous different societies that were brought up didn't have, you know, the internet or the social media and all that stuff or the, or the propaganda machine that we have now with the media. I mean, you know, that's, that's, awfully powerful yeah so i mean to say that it's like worse than any other time no uh even to say that our government in our our, our the, the political circus we have now is like um you know worse than it ever no even then i don't even think that's true necessarily so it's it's it is more than it has been in yeah. our u.s existence yes Okay, I'll say I'll probably I can say that you know. Yeah. Would would I say that it's beyond repair? No, but it, it'll it'll get there. <laughs> I feel like it's a snowball downhill right now. But um, I feel like I tell you this, dude. I, I really feel like there's a, a, a. I think some of that stuff though is changing. It it does feel like, and it it could just be my own naivety. <laughs> <laughs> but it does feel like, like in general, the the people that I I see and I talk to that I, that I, that live around here in my communities and stuff aren't ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like it's I, just these. I, I don't know. I think there are still bastions of civil people, right? I think where you and I are living is is one of those, right? Where it's not completely off the hinges, right? Um. But I'm just, you know, I go back to, you know what, you know what else will get you off the hinges? I think it's our sponsor. Our tech, if you have technology problems. Yeah. And our sponsor can help put those hinges right in the right place. All right. Sponsor, EMTCC. Take it away. We all learned a thing or two about viruses over the last few years. Are we talking just computer viruses or? Yeah. But have you thought about protecting your computer against the latest threats? At EMTCC, they've learned how to fight off viruses faster than Marvel can put out another superhero movie. Woo! Don't know where to start? They can help you develop a plan and implement strategies for that situation. Reggie, did you know they are set up with all the latest and greatest technology to help prevent cybercrime? I did not, but now I do. Absolutely. Visit www.emtcc.net to set up an appointment or give us a call at 1-888-551-2770. Mention R&B Talks and receive 10% off your initial appointment. Remote and on-site options are available. And we're back. And we're back. As I was saying before we went to break, um, if you're anybody's familiar with Ronald Reagan, everybody knew Ronald Reagan had a son that was gay. But he said something that made a lot of sense when they were talking to him. And this is back in the early 90s when they were talking to him. And they asked him, you know, what's the best way to be gay in America? And his response was actually, 
made sense a little bit. And it was just live. You don't, he, he, he said, I don't talk about my sexuality with other people. I don't use my sexuality for gain or for loss. I am a person. And if I want people to treat me like a person, then I have to just live. He said, just live, live like a normal person, live like a person who just wants to make a living and live in peace. Now, regardless of my position on that and how I feel about that situation, I feel like if we just got to that point where everybody just went, you know what? So I want to be half Pegasus, half unicorn. I'll do it when I'm at home and I'll just live. Right. Well, but we have like a, it's like a, a giant, sparkly ridiculous show that's constantly going on you know and and that's kind of where i'm at right now is i feel like i'm caught in this giant sparkly anti but pro woke but anti woke but pro conservative but anti conservative gay straight transgender circus that just but see, but I don't see it again. This, this is, I'm not inundated with that stuff. I realize all that's out like, cause I, I really think you're going to, you're going to see media's media outlets put forth the ridiculous cause it's ridiculous. Well, cause it's, it's ratings, you know, I mean, now I, I do know close to home, several people who who do this thing and I but I don't associate with them because it's like you know you're crazy yeah but here's what here's what I would say about all that I, and I think this has been echoed by many people already throughout the last couple few years and that is like look you're an adult we're going to treat you like an adult if you want to be whatever you are but I, I have the freedom to recognize your idiocy. I mean, yeah. you do. I don't, I don't, I can't not, you cannot force me to say something or, or not. I mean, like that's, that's ridiculous. If, and as soon as you start going after kids, yeah, we have a big problem. Yeah. Cause look, that's, that's where it is. That's what, that's what it is. It's like the whole Jordan Peterson thing yeah. that you, that, uh, you you we were talking about um not on air but he says f- f- enforced speech yeah no that's 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 absolutely insane you cannot force somebody to say something yeah no now you can be civil you can be polite but yeah. that those aren't laws that should be like put on the books that, Hey, no, it's a law that you must be polite or it's a law that you, cause polite becomes subjective. Well, and then, but you also have to, it's the freedom of speech thing, man. If you want freedom of speech, if you truly want the freedom to say what you want to say, you have to give the other person the freedom to say what they're going to say, whether you love it, hate it, like it or not. Yeah. And unfortunately enforced speech is just that it's the, it's the theft of free speech. You know, and it's hidden behind, it's hidden behind the locus of, of 
we're just trying to be fair and equitable. Yeah. No, you're not. No. No. So well, because again, this this is the whole thing about the the whole message of the world says you control your destiny. You are important. You are deserve to be happy. Yes. You this this. Yes. No. No, you don't. <laughs> You're not entitled to anything. You don't deserve anything. You're entitled to what you earn. Sorry. That's just that's the rule of nature. If you want to see how cruel like really nature is in effect that it has no morality involved in it whatsoever, look at nature is metal on Instagram. Or nature is, I think there's another one, but nature is metal, right? You, I mean, look, that's raw nature being what it is. Mm-hmm. That's what that's the world we live in. That is not some fairy tale land that is architected with, you know, all this stuff. Now, according to the 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 Bible, we'll get to the point where there is some kind of new birth and new realm that we go. Well, I won't get into that in here, but but right now, it. it that's that's how it is. I mean, you know, there's 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 no like in other words, a lion is not morally obligated to treat a gazelle a certain way. Yeah, he doesn't hug him before he eats him, and he doesn't. Ha- he's not aware of a right or wrong. Yeah, in anything, he's just that's his prey. It's instinctual. He's going to have a meal. Yeah, doesn't really matter. You know, a bear like a bear is really bad. A bear like won't they don't they don't a lion actually uh and, and like certain uh other big cats are are designed to like they'll grab the neck and mm-hmm. cut the airflow off with their with their mouth and it'll like you know kill them that way yeah. then they'll eat them a bear just mauls you a bear doesn't care yeah. he just starts eating he just wants a sandwich yeah i mean it's this there's no Nothing. The same thing with like the African wild dogs. Mm-hmm. They they're they're in comp- competition for their prey, so they're all. I mean, they're eating that and their prey up as soon and as fast as possible yeah. because they know the hyenas and everything else are going to be. Anyway, so the long story, <laughs> long story to get around. Look, nature isn't moral. It's not. Yeah. It's it's just it, it's circle. There's instinctual drives and functions that happen that are, are served. Well, I, I think. Uh I think uh, Bear Grylls said it best. The law of nature is that there is no law. It's just nature. It's just natural reaction and instinct, right? Like there's no, there's no, oh, <laughs> this, this lion feels bad. So he doesn't kill this gazelle because it's smaller than the next one. No, the lion looks at the gazelle like we look at a roast beef sandwich. It's just, it's just dinner, That's right? It. That's it. It's not, there, yeah. it's not like. Again, they don't have a sense of being a lion or being this or that. They serve instinct and drive. Yeah. You know. Anyway, well, speaking of a sense of being, our subject today: the decentralization of music. Well, yeah, which is a very interesting topic, it, honestly. It, as I researched it, <laughs> and it, and it literally ebbs and flows, and we'll go through that later. But 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 here's 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 the thing about. Oh, wait a minute. There was something else. I'm sorry. Okay. One more thing before okay. we get to there, because I, I got a train of thought. You have a train of thought? Yeah. Let's get back on that train. Uh, um, I don't usually like Jon Stewart. 
Okay, I don't really find him very funny. I, I don't find him funny, and I honestly find him a little ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. However, I happened to watch a Daily Show episode, or at least part of it, or something this week. Okay, and uh, I forget what. It, maybe I wrote it down. I, um, uh, tackles the Biden Trump. Uh, rematch that nobody wants that was the name of the episode <laughs> and i thought that was hilarious right i'm thinking yeah exactly and i thought well, i have to watch this now because if john stewart makes sense i don't know what i'm gonna do and not that he hasn't in some ways made good points before but like this one this one in particular though was like so on the because <laughs> he he blatantly said that you know um it's up to the voters to scrutinize the candidates it's we're they're supposed to you know affirm how good they are to us yeah we have the two oldest candidates for president ever well, and the only and arguably the two worst possible choices and, and and that's the thing like and then you have and then he showed um what was what was Really awesome, though, what he showed was like all these people interviewing about Biden's co uh, cognitive ability or whatever. Yeah. They all said this two same words, right? Uh -huh. Sharp, focused. Every single one. Yep. Use the same descriptive words. He's sharp words. and focused. You're, you're, and, and anybody who says that's not a, that's not people dance into a tune you're out of your flipping mind now the other thing is what he said was like look you you have trump trump says some obscene some stupid stuff too and he is look he's, I don't, he's a little crazy he is crazy right i mean yeah. like and i don't particularly dislike or like trump i've never been like a trump hoorah guy matter of fact i always kind of hated the 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 fanfare and like the yeah, the, 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 the cheerleading garbage, the the whole I look dude I, anyway let me hold on go ahead but the fact is though is you have two elderly men who break the record for how old they are running for president from the record they set before yeah those same two yeah running again so what it's like it is maddening because you have the most powerful nation in the world the most powerful job and most um impactful job in the world being put up for election to two guys who shouldn't be running that shouldn't be president either one of them well i'll sprinkle some a little another layer of it Sprinkle, sprinkle another layer on there. Give for me you, some. Red. You ready? Give me some. You ready? Yep. So there was a interview with Kamala Harris, and I felt like this was kind of a tell because the Democratic National Convention, a lot of people believe that at the DNC convention that, that Biden's going to step out and a new candidate's going to step in. Now, who that will be, I do not know. But Kamala Harris was asked an indirect question. In an interview, I can't remember what channel. I, I want to say CBS, but I, I'm not 100% sure, so don't hold me to that. Um, and she literally uttered, almost without needing to, I'm ready to step in and serve. Okay, look. So what that would tell me is, number one, well, it tells me one of two things. Either she uttered that, and that was an admittance by her that she knew he wasn't fit to keep in it, 
and that was a slip up or there is already a plan in the works for Biden to step out at the DNC and someone else to step in. Now, there are many theories on who will step in. I have heard um, Hillary Clinton again. I have heard Michelle Obama. I have heard Gavin Newsom. I have heard all these names and I have no other than Gavin Newsom. I have no opinion, right? My opinion has been voiced on the other two plenty of times, but I feel like, I feel like the, I feel like the democratic party's skirt is showing and they don't know how to cover it up. And I also feel like the Republican party skirt is showing because they've been bending this whole thing because all along they were, you know, Trump, no, Trump, no, Trump, no, Trump, no, Trump, no. And then all of a sudden when the democratic party stutters, all the candidates fall away, and the only one left is Trump. Ronald McDaniel of the RNC could have simply said, we're not going to let you be our candidate. We're not going to have you as the candidate for the Republican Party. But no one has ever attempted from the Republican side to stop him, which they could have. There was many ways they could have done it. Well, okay. Here's, let me first on Kamala. Yeah. I can't stand this. And you know what? We... <laughs> Ain't gonna go there and do this. Well, I also can't stand the the, the unseen. This being I, seen by the scene. This you have this and that will be. Oh, and then from there we will, <laughs> and that's how we shall and go. F- yes. I, I can't wait to see that on video. <laughs> it's ridiculous, it is. dude. It's stupid, isn't it? It is ridiculous. I mean, come on. Look, here's the thing about all this. It is a circus. This is what everybody, and I'm telling every single person to please. It's a circus. This yeah. is not, this is not like a real power thing for anybody who's i mean come on i feel like the last real election we saw was when clinton and bush ran against each other man bro i don't know man i felt like that was the last one where there was some level of sanity during the election process right i don't i don't like trump either you know you know i'm look i'm the bigliest Like, well, the, dude, that, you don't have a grasp of the English language. You're disqualified. In, in the John Stewart show, he played a clip, and I, I, I never saw this before. He goes, "Let's talk about magnets. <laughs> you put a magnet on the and you put some water on the magnet. It's no longer a magnet." I'm like, he said that. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that's hilarious. Yeah. But I mean, there's look. Here's the deal. I, I do. I think that Trump has more cognitive ability than Biden. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I think that's a, that's a given. But I honestly do think I think he has his. I think he is the worst sufferer of Trump derangement syndrome because well, he literally I, believes that he somehow in four years, if he does get elected, is going to completely turn our country around after COVID and thirty three trillion dollars. You didn't do it when you had four years. You did some stuff. I'll give it to you, right? I'll give it to you. You did some good things while you were in office. As much as I don't like him as a person, I'll say that he did some good things while he was in office, far more than Biden has done, right? And I'm not knocking Biden on that front. I'm just saying, you know, if 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 you're putting a notch on the wall for who did more, Trump did more, right? But I think 
I think the January 6th thing, I think, which wasn't an insurrection. I don't care what you say. Well, it was motivated and it was staged. Yeah. That, but. Um, what you've got is a guy who's in love with his own animus. Like he believes he is the savior. <laughs> like he's going to save our, our country. He's going to one man alone save our country. Okay. But, but here's the thing I would say, though. I don't know. There is a lot of actions that he's taken that do not equate to that either. And I don't. So it's like one of those things where I, he says some stuff and I'm like, okay, well, it's just weird. And, and, and okay. And then he does some stuff that I'm like, ah, oh, that's pretty awesome. And at the same token, it's at, at the end of the day, you're still just like. But well, I think you know, this, I think this, I think we're in the middle of a. It's just like you said, it's just, a, it's, it, it's almost like a game of who can be worse and when, right? Like, yeah, it's, I mean, who's, you know, who's going to crack up first really. Yeah. But, but anyway, so, so I just found that awesome uh, that, that John Stewart and he would look, I mean, it, 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 I, don't, I don't care for John Stewart that much. Well, I tell you what, but, I think but, about John Stewart, like I think about Bill Maher. Yeah, I, I don't okay. totally dislike Bill Maher. I don't think that everything that he says is wrong. Do I think he suffers from a severe case of Trump derangement syndrome? Yes, he does. Do I think that he went out and said that we should have a doddering, elderly, dementia-ridden president? Yes, he did. Um, by by saying that Biden has done a wonderful job and is completely in 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 control of his faculties and all the things. Um, but from time to time, Bill Maher will make a really good point. Yeah. He will hit something right on the head that that you can't deny and go, wow. I mean, you might be right, dude. Like, but I think this is this is indicative of like how we're missing that critical element in our society of uh, debate and 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 cognitive intellectual conversation. Well, yeah, open open dialogue, man. We're, we're missing it complete. I mean, yeah. like, it, well, because I mean, you're 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 discouraged from talking anything about that in your work. You're discouraged from talking about anything like that in your family. You're discouraged. I mean, like everywhere, discourages the talk of like really what's like most important to a lot of people. Yeah, and that's a that's that to me is not okay. Like you can't you you can't just have a society built around everybody's siloed, you know, segregated opinions that yes. do, do never coincide with other views tribalism is more prevalent now than it's been in the last yeah, I mean, years and even when i've tried um and it's like it just seems to you know it just seems to hit a wall it's like people just don't understand how to like have a good because you can because my okay let me say this my personal issue with with any of this with anything conversely conversely no conversationally i should say is that I, if I really believe in something, it's going to come out strong. It's going to yeah. be with, you know, pretty pointed and I'm going to have a lot of stuff behind it. Right. Yeah. And, and what that ends with most people that it's intimidating when they come to talk to me, if they have a different view yeah. and that ends up with this, like where they think I'm like a bully or a, I'm too aggressive, all that stuff. But it's, it's, it's a passion about what I believe. Yeah. Now, I stepped away from doing this on social media. I used to do it all the time. was like engaged all the time. And I stopped. This has been years and years ago. Because.
because it was social media and it was getting nowhere. It was like nothing ever. There was no conversation I ever had on social media that was like a good back and forth yeah. that, that, that illuminated some point or whatever. Yet I've had conversations in person that were like that, but we're, again, we're discouraged from doing that in person to anybody. So it's like, it just seems, I'm just, I'm just disappointed in our whole societal pressures that we have right now. Well, I think I'm the other side of the, of your coin. Um, I'm not going to argue with you. I know my right and my wrong. I'm confident in what I believe. I have no problem talking about it. Um, I, I don't care when someone attacks what I believe or what I'm after. I don't react vigorously. I literally, it's just a, I got to keep going, man. Like I can't, I can't, I can't get into it with you. Right. And it's not that I don't want to talk to you. If you want to sit down and have a rational conversation with me and we may not disagree, we may still wind up being friends. We may not like each other's opinions, but I come from a generation of people where we were able to to live different lives and have different views of the world and still get along. But the people of our generation, though, have switched from and they've left that behind and now have been inundated in the institutions too long. Well, it's that's true because that. Well, I mean, I blame mostly I blame our education system. Well, that's what I'm saying. You I know, mean, like they've they've you're indoctrinated through college and, you know, I have good good people that i knew were good solid moral people that have just lost their mind but i didn't take it personally i i i had to end a friendship and and i told them i still love you still think you're a great person you're just lost and unfortunately i can't i can't continue to carry you when you're reacting and responding to me in the way you are because because you're affecting you're attempting to affect my ebb and flow and and unfortunately but but also here's something that's very harsh reggie about me and this is something that many people have had conversations with me about and this is a reason why in the church sometimes i get in a lot of trouble um i don't care if you don't like me like there's no part of me at all that cares if you disagree with me. Yeah. There's no part of it. And it's not that I'm, I think I'm better than you. I just, if you're not going to pour into me something positive, I'm not going to pour anything into you. So when you come to me and say, Brian, I don't like you. I don't like your ideas. All right. I turn you off. Like I turn off a light switch. I don't, it's a weird thing that I have this capability of doing where I can just be like done and walk away. And sometimes it doesn't work out the best. I will say that, but I do not fear being disliked. I do not fear being hated. I do not I do not even mind it in some cases because if I'm not standing up for what I believe and stern and and solid in what I believe, then I would care what all those people thought of me. Well, and I I'm pretty right? much at the same same point. I don't I'm I'm not going to I'm always looking for truth. Uh, so I'll say this. I'm I'm always looking for truth. So I always uh, you know um I want to hear what people have to say. Uh, and I, at, at, you know, uh, this has been a while ago, but you, when you're in a debate of some sort, even a conversation where you have different opinions about something, one of the, you know, you, you can read various different <laughs> debate or, or, or argumentative books or opinions, but 
one thing you can one thing you sh- a tactic, but it's really just a a way to 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 see what's going on. Is you got to listen intently and ask questions. Okay, this is what I do. I'll listen to somebody or or read what they say, whatever it is, and I, even questions that I ask mm-hmm. get met with aggression and like, oh, you can't, you can't, why are you asking me? You can't ask me that, right? That's what the problem becomes. Like that's in, in the conversations I have, that's where it starts. I don't really care if they don't believe what I believe or see the, see me in whatever light. I don't, I don't but I still, I'm an inquisitive person. Like I, I, mm-hmm. I just want to want to know. Sometimes I ask questions just because I don't have enough information. Well, in, just, in, but I mean, you know, you don't, it, I guess it's just because everybody's so damn sensitive and I, I'm, I'm sorry, but it is primarily on the left. It's so sensitive. Certain things you shouldn't say or this or that, or yeah, label this or that or, or, or whatever, whatever, the, whatever it's going to be, whatever right? it is. I mean, even, even certain things like, Oh, your, your tone is, a, is, is aggressive. You're, 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 committing violence against me with your words yeah yeah. i mean like you obviously how, don't know what violence means what the, how how are, how are you going to have a conversation then i mean if if you want to talk to a guy like me who is not afraid of you i don't care what you think in a way that i don't care what you think about me i should say i and i'm really like staunch in my beliefs and i'm going to put my flag in it and if i'm open to information <sighs> But guarantee I come, I have plenty of it to back what I believe and what I do. And if you look, just because you're not ready to have a conversation with a guy like me doesn't mean I'm, I'm, I'm scary. It just means I know what I'm talking about and I'm firmly in <laughs> and I just don't, you just, you're just not up to, up to it. it I mean, that's back, really it. It goes back to what I said before, Reggie. If you truly believe something, yeah. if you know in your heart that it's true, but you feel it necessary to scream, disavow, act like a fool, and do all the things that they do to stop you from saying what you want to say, then how strong is your belief actually when you can't put anything behind it that's factual and that or any any educated view behind it? Like like for somebody to walk up to somebody and go, Well, you're just a fascist. You, you don't know that person. You don't know that that's true. You've not done any research. And you haven't spent any time with how them. How are you defining fascist? Yeah, what's, what do you define as fascism? I mean, it's— Because you, you have a different opinion I do if you're calling somebody like that a fascist or, yeah, or whatever I mean, the case may be. You, you know, know, or, or, or you're, a, you're a bigot. Or you're a communist uh, or, you know, you well, know, do you even know what that is? Like, it's like, I mean, it's, it's like the on. whole thing with, uh, with uh, socialism. Most of the people that are being accused of being socialist— by definition, are not socialists. They're more like Marxists. Well, it, yeah, it is Marxist. It's, yeah, it, it, but, but although but Marxism is a, it's a form of socialism. But if you look at the purest, sort of. if you look at the purest definition of a socialist, none of those people out there, including the the in the government, the democratic socialist, I don't think they have a clue what that means. Yeah. Well, anyway, I just thought I I, would, I wanted to throw that out there because I, I found. Um, I found it intriguing, and I did think it was funny. I'll post a link down there in the comments so people can watch it. But it was he is you know he wasn't saying anything I don't I don't agree with. So yeah. <laughs> there's that. Yeah. So yeah, let's let's get on to um, 
um, the decentralization. The, well, music. let me let me say this: it's it's really like the, the decentralization of culture that leads to a change in the music industry. Yes. Um. Okay, so when we grew up, mm-hmm. there was there, there was certain music that really defined the eras we grew up in. Yes, absolutely. Right. Eighties. Well, yeah, we everybody knows songs from the eighties. Like, okay, that's identifying with that eighties, right? Flock of seagulls, baby. <laughs> the nineties. You, you know what that? You know, we we know what that is, and all this the stuff. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, metal, all that stuff. All that stuff. Yeah, yes. I mean, like, there's there's definite music that defined our era, right? And you get to the post streaming age now, though. And all the and uh, all the algorithms and mm-hmm. stuff that kind of just say, "Hey, you like this and this." Who is there a music of the twenty twenties? I think if you're going to look at, first of all, I think we got to witness something in the late nineties, going into the mid part of our where we're at in the two thousands. I actually think we saw the disbursement of music happen all in one swing with things like Napster and LimeWire and, and Pirate Bay and all those things that went on. Um, and then you saw the music industry snap back with Spotify, uh, Pandora, Apple Music, because I think the music industry, I think the people that were making the most money in the music industry understood very clearly that it's the internet that's stealing them is stealing the music from, from the money from our pockets for the music. So we're going to have to use the internet to control it. So I think that's one way of looking at the decentralization of music just because it's now in the hands of, I mean, what other streaming services for music is there other than Spotify, Apple music or Pandora? Oh, there's, there is lots, but I'm talking about like, what are the names? It's kind of like Sony, uh, Arista and, and you know, when the record labels that were big, right? So, but if you're looking at for an example of what music should be today or what I would consider today's music, I mean, I hate to say it, but honestly, I think it's this, it's this mashup amalgamation style music where it's, you know, like, like countries merging with rap and rap is merging with rock and rock is merging with country. I don't think that's true though, man. I think that, I think honestly, I don't think you have a artist. I think you have a genre, but I don't even think you have a genre though, bro. Like if you think about it, like, okay, here's, let me, okay, let's go into this. Rick Beato. This is, this is where I got this from because he was talking about the Usher Usher halftime show. Okay. Okay. And it brought all this, uh, to my, I was like, think I had really thought about it, and I was like, yeah, this is worth talking about. But he was talking about Usher during the 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 halftime show. He was, he was saying, Usher's Usher's been around a long time, long time, right? Since the late eighties, I think. I mean, yeah. you know, he's he's been in the music business decades. He's a worldwide known star. Yes, and he was saying, what artist that we have today could do a halftime show? Taylor Swift would probably be and able there, to, do but one. again. Where she's been around for decades, yeah. Beyonce been around for decades, right? There's not there's not a new artist we have today that's global known that could do that would be suitable for a halftime. There's show. an example of that too. A couple of Super Bowls ago, when the weekend did the Super Bowl, it was the lowest rated Super Bowl halftime show I think they had had in a while because 
I mean, for all for all of what he is, and he may, for all I know, be a fantastic artist. Nobody knew who no nobody my age knew or cared to 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 know who the weekend was. Yeah. So we no. tuned out. Right. So there's this. I think you're right in the sense that if there's is there somebody in the modern age now, in my opinion, there's a couple of bands I would love to see do it. But that's a personal thing for me. Well, I would love to see a Teddy Swims or a Greta Van Fleet or a Jelly Roll go out there and do a halftime show. Now, would they be great at it? I don't know. Well, that's what I'm saying. But, but you know, but again, it'd be it'd be like the case of the weekend where it's not going to attract the audience yeah, because they're not known. Glo- they're not global artists, and that's well because you don't have you don't have that global release schedule anymore. You mm-hmm. know. Like it, um, when 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 big artists used to come out with records before all the the internet stuff, you had months and months of releases, and you had you had a single come out months before you had all this promo stuff come out a couple all this stuff to have this big worldwide release. Yeah, perfect You're example not, of that was Prince when he did the halftime show. What well, yeah, Prince? I mean, all all if you think about it, all the big artists that we. Because, like, you know that are the hugest ones, Taylor Swift, for instance. Well, that's how she got – that's how she got there because she was way back before, right? I mean, any yeah. of these people. The the thing about music now, though, is that you, you're, you're led to your musical direction from these platforms to al- by algorithms. Yeah. Well, you listen to this. Well, check this out. And, you know, and by and large – to to actually make music and make money at it anymore is pretty tough. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's changed dramatically. Yes. Like it's it's I don't even know how you would do it anymore, right? To be an original artist to go out there and do that. Well, but I think part of that too is the is what people see the music industry as and as a whole, what artists see it as as a whole. I mean, if you look at it used to be that when a band would start out they were looking to make it big, right? They wanted to be a long-term musical influence, yeah. right? Well, now we live in the age of the one-hit wonder. I just want one hit song to make me a couple of million bucks, and then I'm out. Well, that's what I mean. You still, I know, and I, I know a lot of passionate musicians that they're, it's their passion. It's not, they don't want to be a one hit wonder. They want to do music. I mean, like if you, and they're so talented and, and, you know, and it's like, you don't have a vehicle for that to be a thing anymore. Really? There's no, like signing to a label anymore is really not, it's really not going to do it for you. Like I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. The, the guys from, um, periphery who, who are like this technical, um, metal band kind of thing. They'll tell you they don't make their money from their music sales. Really, they they make their money from endorsements by <laughs> the companies and stuff. Yeah. Like that has to supplement their income, or else they wouldn't make. And I still don't. They're not. I mean, you know, it's not like they're like this huge band or whatever. But they're, they're still. Well, they are, but they're not like a global, you know, star, legendary sensation or whatever. But just to give you, I mean, but that's it. Like they, they have to do these, all these other things. It's not just music in order to make an income. It's like all these other things with that. Dude, we live in the, we live in the day of the side hustle, right? Like it it is what it is. So, so the other thing about the, the decentralization, 
um, is like these crowdfunded music things. I think this is, I think it's awesome and, and not in a way because you, you know, it gives the artist complete control over how they can produce an album and everything else. You're, you're connecting directly to a fan base. They say, Hey, um, here's an, here's an album. You can, here's your perks. You know, you're going to, they're funding the creation of that album, mm-hmm. getting direct access to like, studio. that stuff is just wicked cool. I really, really like that. But how far is that going to go only to a few, only to this fan base? You're not getting any kind of pro, you know, there's no promo outside of that really. Right. So, and a lot of artists are doing that now. Yeah. And that's where a lot of people are moving to as well, too, because well, the stream is it SoundCloud. Well, no, what's that's one. It's one of those that's you can, you can put you up can your own crap and put do. up your own crap. And you can also have, fans fund money for your albums and things like that. So that's one of those. Yeah. But I mean, even GoFundMes and Kickstarters yeah. and stuff, they're, they're all in there too. Right. And you yeah. go, go blah, blah, blah. But you're still not, you know, the streaming platforms. Cause if you, if you produce a, a, an album or something, put it on a streaming platform, the amount of income you get from that is so terrible per listen or whatever. It's Which, really, really, really low. When you think about Since. it, it was what made Garth Brooks pretty smart because when, when Spotify and Apple Music came a call in, Garth was like, peace, I'm going to do it on my own. And he made millions by making his catalog only available through his website service. Now, I think it's available on iTunes now, but it's it for the longest time. Um, it didn't it didn't work. Um you had artists like Prince who would, who had his own albums coming out digitally and they weren't making a ton of money. Um, but you know, but here's the thing that makes me kind of leery about streaming services in the general sense is Jay Z came out with a streaming service. I can't remember the name of it, but it very quickly pretty much tanked because he went up against Apple music and Spotify and Pandora which we now know to some degree or another have music industry money behind yeah, them. Yeah. So, cause it's another way for the music industry to control what's made. Right. So, you know, there's, there's this very, it's the power of being in the hands of a few dude. Like it's what decentralization is, right? Like, well, you just, when you look at the, the billboard top charts, it's very much, a either it's artists who have been around forever it's that's that's all that's really all that's up there um and then you have like if you look at certain genres and stuff you see you know some of the culturally cultural different stuff but even then there's also a shift in um in how the what music anybody's listening to anymore time out I gotta take a pee break. I gotta be bad, dude. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Stay on that. If I like where we're going. Just push it back on the two legs. Okay. Hell yeah.
Shut the door. Well, you know. Okay, now you got to move that back. It's got to, no, 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 not back. You you pulled it up, so it kind of bring it in, <laughs> and to to your left. Keep going, to your left. To my left. Yep, right there. Hold on. Turn it this way a little bit, like clockwise. Whoop, whoop, right there, right there. Right there. This beer bottle so it doesn't look like I'm just getting drunk up on the show. <laughs> hey, we're saucy. <laughs> All right. All right, good. Another key thing. Um with the decline of there's a decline of music in our culture for sure. Okay. And really it's because, and, and this is one point that Rick Beato made. They're not kids. Kids today aren't engaged with music. Like as they were, you know, there, there, there's all these other things, TikToks, YouTubes, video games, whatever that pull everybody that, that there, it's just not a music. Isn't as much of a, of, of, of a, importance anymore and the ones that are are still those artists that have been around for decades well my son is a great example my oldest boy you know caleb he <laughs> pink floyd rush uh nirvana soundgarden sublime those are all bands that he loves and he knows who they are right now i will take a little bit of credit for feeding some of that to him but um, he, he, like other than like the Greta's and stuff like that, he doesn't really have a taste for anything new, but you know, I, I said this one day and I felt like I was being harsh when I said it, but then I thought about it and it's just true. Somebody asked me, they said, Brian, what do you listen to on the radio today? I was like, nothing. Cause it's all, if you're listening to a modern radio station, it's either a song that's all about, you know rubbing up on somebody which i'm not interested in um it's a it's a foul f word laced you know or it's a country song that's modern country is not actually country it's pop <laughs> so you know like everybody loves morgan wallen okay i get it his songs are catchy i've listened to a lot of his songs if you asked me if Morgan Wallen was a country artist, I would say no. Not at all. He's a pop kind of crossover with some rap artists because, you know, he's got backbeats and all those things. You can tell that there's there's machine-made beats in his song. So, no, dude. Country is is stringed instruments and storytelling, right? Dude, I, and, and I don't... You know, if I really want to listen currently, if I want to go listen to really good music, what I'm listening to is anything current would be like Billy Strings. You know, I think he's an amazing guitar player. He's made a great living off of bluegrass. He's kind of made his own niche in this in the genre without leaving behind his roots. Um, 
you know, listening to some, you know, like a lot, I listened to a lot of what I would, what I would refer to credit to my stepmother. She, she coined this term for me, new grass, which is, you know, old crow medicine show, you know, Billy strings, uh, you know, trampled by turtles, all those bands that took a little bit of electric and fed it into bluegrass yeah, and kept its roots, but made amazing albums. Well, Okay, that brings us to another point to all this is that I I would firmly believe that the de- some of the decline in music is just the poor choice of the industry people trying to push certain things that people just don't want to listen to. Yeah. The the uh Another Rick, because actually it occurred after I watched this other one. Another Rick, and it happened to be this one. Um, whenever you and when I see a video that says, "If you're a musician in 2024, you want to you want to see this," I'm like, "Okay, well, I'm sort of a musician, although I haven't played in a very long time." Um, Which makes he, me sad, by the way. I know. Well, you know, hey, um, he he chart cipher is just, is an AI statistical site for um, different billboard chart type of things okay. that, that they contact him and send him some data. Hip hop declined from uh, 2020 to 2023 uh, from 58% of the billboard chart streaming charts being hip hop in 2020 to 27% in 2023. So hip hop's kind of taking a dive. And, and, and he, um, Rick made a great point here. It's like, you know, we're just tired of it. It's like this the same trap beats and all that kind of stuff. We're yeah. just done. We're just I think it's just gotten old. It's just a it's just a blend up of the same thing pushed out a little differently. Country mm-hmm. though has increased by a hundred and fifty percent. So country music I mean Beyonce at the just same made time, a, a country song, dude. Yeah, and I'm, that's what I'm saying. So <laughs> and rock increased by fifty eight percent, right? So and, and what's telling about that is like there is an instrument preference, like if pro, I should say prominence in the songs, right? Guitar prominent songs are trending up. Get piano trending songs are, go, are is going trending down, down, right? Okay. Um, songs seem to be getting slower that are that are increasing rather than the the hundred to hundred nineteen. This is like under seventy nine beats per minute. Um, and then also songs without with no profanity. Are trending way up. Yeah, songs with profanity are trending way down. Okay, that was that was interesting, and also too the songs are starting to get shorter again. Yeah, I don't understand that. Like, there's a lot of songs out there that are uh, they're really short. Like they're super short. Yeah, under like, three minutes. Like some Morgan Wallen songs and some other songs that they're like two two minutes and thirty eight seconds. Yeah. Well, the problem is like you had you had the Beatles who did. Under three minute songs, yeah, but they did fantastic. But 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 they, those three minutes contained all kinds of stuff, and the songs were way more complicated than anything they're doing today, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a whole. It's like it's no. There's no comparison there, right? So I mean, there's a lot of trends here with the music stuff that I find fascinating, and I'm frankly just glad I'm not in it. I mean, because it's just it, it's you know. Well, it, but I don't <laughs> want to go totally down that hill because they're. I mean, dude, um. Maybe one day I'll go into all of it, but music takes a special spot for me for a lot of reasons in my life. Wow. And I, I'm still a searcher, right? Like I, 
I will go down the rabbit hole and find really good music. Now it's not like mainstream, a lot of it, but, and it's fun to, to catch one of those artists when they're not major and watch them stay true to what they sound like and become major artists. Right. But I don't want people to completely give up. Right. Because there is, we talked about this, you know, struggle Jennings, those kind of guys, that's legitimately good music. Tom McDonald makes great music. You know, guys like that are really out there trying to make something that has substance. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, but you're a different kind of musician too, Reg. You, you, I've listened to you play and you, when you play, and and I see you play, you are literally lost in what you're doing. Like there's nothing else going on around you. No. And I feel like that is where great music is made, right? When you can let everything else go, you know, you can go down the list. John Bonham, Neil Pert, all those guys, they let the, whatever was going on around them was gone. And the only thing in front of them was the drum kit. That's it. And that is where I think for any any musician, not just drummers, but guitar players, bass players, when when you go to that place where I'm going to create something today and nothing else around me is going to affect my ability to create that, that's where great music is. And the problem I think you've got nowadays is, first of all, auto-tune has lost its mind. Everybody's lost their mind with auto-tune because there's a lot of these artists, when you hear them live, they're terrible because the record companies auto-tune them to death. Yes, they do. Um some of them. Synthetic music is become prominent. A lot of these artists don't actually have bands. Okay, there's a reason for that though. So, mm-hmm. so this that goes along with the way the music industry is now. I know you 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 don't have that million dollar budget to do a record anymore, right? True. It's like you know. It's really not there. So you're 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 just taking the the modern uh, computerized production stuff and you're putting it together because this doesn't cost near the amount that you know to putting together these people were. Now you still have big albums like I mean you know Taylor Swift's not creating all of her stuff via computer, but you know or 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 even uh, Jelly Roll. Well, most of his stuff is with the computer, but not all of it. But but anyway, I'm just saying like you know. It, it's a it's a matter of cost. Like yeah. the industry's not putting as much money into the album creations as they used to. Yeah. They're used to you know, um, the artists I've known. The, I mean, they were in this. You know, most of the time they had when they reached a certain level, they would book a studio for like you know, six months. A, a, well, it wasn't six months, but like the actual studio where they're going to record and stuff in would be like a month, right? And they're, mm-hmm. they're, they wrote wrote some songs and come in there, and they have like all the time that they're using, and, and and that's a really expensive endeavor. You're talking about real estate. the The advanced stuff inside these recording studios are not cheap. Everything costs at least a thousand dollars. Well, here's my question though: <laughs> there it You'll is. see guys go on the internet and make an amazing song that sounds good. And then you listen to the artist and they're like, I made it on my laptop with garage band and uh, a mic I bought at Kohl's. And I'm like, but it sounds great. Why is it so expensive 
especially with the advancement of technology, right? Okay, here's 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 what I'll tell you. There's a difference between sounding good and sounding amazing. Okay, the the difference there is not going to be discernible by some people. But if you take if you take it's it's like anything from like a nice speaker to like a a multi thousand dollar speaker. It's the same thing. Most people will listen to both of them and can't tell the difference. Fair enough. But the fidelity on the other one that you just spent ten thousand dollars on just this one speaker will, if you if you can hear it, it's a night and day difference. But maybe that's the difference for me, right? Because I I appreciate the sound of vinyl. Right, vinyl's imperfect, which is a fidelity thing. I love the sound of a vinyl album. The imperfections, the 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 silence between songs, the like, the, I love it. Like I feel like I feel like it's very nostalgic, and it takes me back to a, a very, you know, a time where people had to really be careful about what they put on their album because they wanted people to buy the album. You couldn't just buy the song. See, I think that's something that drives me crazy. Is a lot of people will hear one song and say, "Whole album's got to be terrible." No. There's probably five or six gems on that album, but you're not willing to take the time to listen to it, right? So sometimes, man, sometimes it is pretty indicative, though. I mean, depends well, but on, you depends know, on the too, though, how many albums have we bought where we didn't like the single that came out, but once we got into the album, there was some good stuff on there. I mean, there are some things right? like that. Don't, don't get me wrong, but people like uh, we we said it already. People aren't producing albums necessarily; they're just doing true, songs, man. man. It's true. You know, well, that's I'm, when I'm shocked when I'll, I'll open my Spotify because I use Spotify mainly because I love the algorithm on Spotify, because if I find a independent artist, it'll give me 50 other ones that I can just kind of filter through. But um, it amazes me when I see like new album from so and so. And I'm like, somebody made a whole album. It's almost it's almost like finding the. <laughs> Finding the, you know, Ulysses gold, right? I don't know. Well, I mean, we, I mean, I don't know. I still think in terms of albums. That's just what I grew up with. That's just how I think. Me too. Right? So so even when my brothers have a project and they were doing some stuff, I mean, they they still thought of it as an album. They, 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 they released everything individually, but like it's still an album that's put together really as a group of songs, you know? Yeah. But uh, I enjoyed playing on that, too. That was really fun. What um, is the name of that group? We Came From Stars. All right. Y'all need to look it up because I've listened to it, and it's freaking awesome. It really is. Like, it's 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 got a very Pink Floyd kind of esque vibe. It's, 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 it's post-rock. Yeah. Um, so it's different. But yeah. I, I don't know. The one song I played on, I really enjoyed doing it. It was really cool Um, being a featured artist on the on that track, it was really, it was really a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, so, so I guess I just, you know, it, it's just, I just wonder nowadays, unless you, unless you go on and you're a, 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 a YouTube sensation with your music. Um, well, even going back to when we watched those videos, we were ta- watching those <laughs> top videos on YouTube. I didn't know most of those people. No, I don't know I, any of them really. I didn't know most of them at all. Like, yeah. I think I knew one, but you look at the, what, 
the video production on those are so much. Most of those were like really well done videography wise. Yeah, they right? were. I mean, and because that's where like the ad revenue from YouTube. That's true. <laughs> Very true. You know what I mean? It's like that's why they're doing all that. I mean, but Very true. But it's but you're still not seeing those that's that's what I mean. Like those videos and stuff are 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 different than what the songs that you see on like your streaming platforms top. They're not those aren't on there. Yeah. I mean, well, a few of them are, but you know, it's because the video, because people want to watch the video for a short they want a short little and I'm done. Yeah. You know. I would, I, you know, that's the, anyway, I, we, if, if culture decides that it wants to put more importance in the music, in music again, that's, I think that would be a great thing to do, but there is a decline there, which leads to all these other things. Like you don't have near as many musicians anymore. You don't have near as many people which, creating and producing music anymore. Which I mean, be honest, it sucks because I mean, think about it. Think about all right, so take the 40s and 50s, big band, soda pop, all that stuff. Malt shop music started to come into play that went along with the times in the 60s and early 70s with the cultural revolution. That that music went along with the time, you know, going into, and I'll say it, and somebody's probably throwing rocks at the screen right now while they're watching this, as I say this, disco. Disco was an extravagant form of music based on a very Latin beat that matched a very eccentric time in our, in our society where, you know, studio 54 and all those things. And then the eighties came in and when synth pop blew up and MTV came in, then this new generation of sound came in. I feel like somewhere around 2010, it got out of sync. Like it was synced up so well up to that point. And then around 2010, like it all just got out of sync and then you started to get this, you know, these one song shot things coming out and people were like, oh, my gosh, did you hear that song? And then the artist vanishes and you never hear from them again. That's what I mean. It, right? it just got to the point where it's not it's just not it's not being pushed out as much. You don't have global sensations anymore or, yeah. or the, the revenue to support that kind of thing anymore. I don't think so. Which makes me wonder how Taylor Swift and that's, I am not that's, a Swifty. That's concert revenue too, though, man. Yeah. I mean, the artist gets a lot from the shows. Yeah, that's, but you got to admit, she's pretty intelligent in the sense that when she, like the whole thing she did in the theaters, like you want to go see a Taylor Swift show, you know she was making a piece on the back end of that. So, sure. like she, that was a very business savvy move on her part because I'm sure that there's, even as globally large as she is, there still is not as much concert revenue as there used to be. Right. Which also would go to, you know, you're seeing a lot of smaller bands that aren't as huge yet playing in big venues because the big venues need to fill up. You know, KFC Yum, you know, has had some not huge artists come in there and play, you know, got to fill the seats, man. You got to keep revenue coming in the building. So it's kind of a, a unique opportunity for any up and coming band that might be out there. But in the general sense, you're right. Like, it's just a completely, completely different well, generation. Now, here's one thing that wasn't discussed, but I think is incredibly important, especially for a guy like me, is classical music. So that has been a decline for a long time. Orchestras have been vanishing across the world for yeah. I don't know how long. But that's, that's, a, that's a, as far as I'm concerned, that's still the, 
I wouldn't say it's like any, any necessarily like pure or whatever, but that there is a, I, I listen to more classical music. Than I do anything else. That's, I, that's by, by far, by none. Like I don't, I don't really listen to Spotify or Pandora or any of that stuff. I actually have a, a Berlin Philharmonic subscription and that's actually what I turn on when I'm listening to stuff during the day. Like I, I go through there and listen to a concert or something that they did from their streaming platform. I appreciate classical music, but unfortunately, classical music is like golf to me. I understand. The moment it starts playing, it soothes me to the point where I go to sleep. But I, not all of it will do that, by the way, but, 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 cause there's, there's some that's very different, but, but I digress. It's not really for that, but you, you gotta have that. I, I believe that in order for the music, I don't know how you say it, the music culture of the, of the world, you need classical music to be there. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a valid, legitimate yeah. form of music. But, but not just that, though. It's like it's it's without all of any 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 of that modern like weirdness that annoys people, <laughs> auto tune, uh, whatever, um, fake this, fake this, fake that. No, it's pure, and that's what I think is is you have to you need that in order to have a successful musical culture now i've seen some stuff lately in classical music where there's been like some drums and some bass guitars especially in the orchestra Mm -hmm. um that's pretty cool that they've kind of found a way to well you see a lot in soundtracks too yeah right so so keep in mind most of the soundtracks for big movies you hear are live symphony orchestras with added instrumentation and stuff like that right yep all the Hans Zimmer stuff from Dune, Interstellar, um, uh, it, man, he's done so many cool ones. Man of Steel, he's done all kinds of just they're, like there. I watch those musics or and I watch those musics. I watch those movies almost just for the soundtrack as much as the movie itself. Right now, I will say that a, a movie that has good music it can change the entire yes. mood of the movie but see but that comes from there yeah and and like you like i love tron legacy it's another movie i just it, i don't think it's like the great cinematography or or like a a cinema masterpiece but i just love to watch it because of the way it looks and it sounds yeah right yeah and and again it's if you didn't have the sound of that another one is the new Dune movie. Well, that's what I was saying. Hans that, Zimmer. That new Dune movie. That soundtrack is absolute. When I, because I, I put that in Dolby, and dude, it's, it's insane. That is amazing. And, and I mean, the the and all that stuff though. Like if you watch, um, read about or watch some of his stuff he's put out about how he how he did that. I mean, you're talking about all kinds of different instruments that they that they brought in all all kinds of different these percussion stuff and all kinds of different. Look, there's really. Not that many synthy. There is synth stuff in there, but it's it's not as much as you yeah think yeah. Like it's incredible. Like Gladiator, yeah, great. such a great. Glad listen to Gladiator, right? That 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 just that opening scene with the with the you know the the wheat and he's running yep. his hands through there, and you have that vo- the female vocal and all that stuff. And dude, you would you immediately feel something from that. Dude, you know, I'll it's, you, it's so important. I'll pull you a classic. Star Wars. Every 
episode of that of that movie. It starts off where the, it scrolls and it's like that. Yeah, with that, that fanfare. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and you're like, and you're immediately pulled into the movie because that music is just so good. It's so incredible. And, you know, um, but I mean, and, and I mean, think about this way. There are terrible movies that the soundtrack saved. One would be Dazed and Confused. That was a terrible movie. It's a terrible movie. But the soundtrack, the they deep dove into some of the old classic rock albums and pulled out some songs that weren't normally played, and that saved that movie. Um, I'm particularly a, a scary movie fan. If you go to Rob Zombie's remakes of Halloween, you know, Nights in White Satin is not a scary song. It just isn't. It's, he turned that into the most horrifying song I've ever heard by by the way he placed it in the movie and there's a buildup because you hear it it starts off as this low background music and then as this scene carries on it just crescendos and then all of a sudden this crazy horror thing goes down and here's knights in white satin jamming in the background and your mind is confused yeah because you're like why and but but it just puts everything in a different perspective i think any song used well whether it's classical music or anything else if you place it properly within a movie, you'll change the entire atmosphere of the movie. I mean, even the Avatar movie, it was it, the yeah, soundtrack uh, yeah. of that movie was incredible. Well, I'm, okay, and even going back here, think about John Williams and what he did for like Jurassic Park. Yeah, I mean, dude, when when the whole thing comes on and you have all that stuff and everything, when they reach the island and it's like, you're like, whoa, yeah, look That's at right. that, you know, it's a T Rex, <laughs> you know. I mean, look, but all I'm saying is that classical music, though, is 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 so imperative. But we we seem to just not, as a culture, be even remotely appreciating it or or even looking at it in in a serious way anymore. And yeah. that used to be the pinnacle thing, you know. Well, that um, used to be the height of music, like the height, the the very the very upper crust, the upper well, level of music. I can tell you from a musician standpoint that it's it's really hard not to have that still be from a musicianship standpoint, not to have that still be the elite top thing. Now yeah. for for like um electric guitar or like a drummer or something like that, that, you know, there's not really that place in that orchestral environment. But I mean, when I, when I went to school for clarinet and saxophone, dude, I mean, that's what I was doing. And I mean, you know, that's what you always aspired to be was like that, you know? And then what, what, what is, um, <laughs> what, what it is is just that because, and I, I tell you what, this is even going back way when I was in high school, but the reason why I didn't even continue that venture really was because of the decline in, you couldn't hardly get a job in, in an orchestra because they were disappearing even then. We're talking 25 years ago, disappearing. And it's like, well, if they're, I mean, where, where am I going to go? If, cause that's what I wanted to be. That's it. I want, I, I wanted to play in a, in a, professional orchestra that's what i wanted to do and i could have that's where i was <laughs> and i was preparing for auditions but there was going to any of the auditions you, you you the the income was really mediocre yeah at best it's it's really really low and you you were going you were auditioning against you know like 1500 people who are just like you you know and it's just for one seat in an orchestra it's crazy but that's that's how yeah so you it is the pinnacle of a lot of different musical 
music uh, musical instrument um genres i would say you know you're not gonna go anywhere with an oboe except with <laughs> we're not gonna jam out on the oboe yeah, you know, i mean come you know, on bro i need an oboe solo and, now and, and, well somebody's gonna play the tuba on a, on a rock song well, i guess it'd be kind of hey, cool. it's possible lots of things are possible. Oompa, oompa okay music, so here's my question okay yeah with natural progression of what we're talking about is where do you think what do you think the effect of ai will have on music well you can generate a lot of a lot of a lot of music from ai i mean because they'll look they'll because what ai does in in that particular venture knowing that my company does ai stuff is I mean it just goes and searches for whatever whatever genre you ask it for. It'll say like what the chord structures and what's the timber and all that kind of stuff, and it'll just pull all that from everything else and just put it together. Well, one of the crazy things is I was watching a YouTube video and a guy took Chat GPT and created. He wrote a song through Chat GPT, and then took the music <clears throat> chat GPT literally wrote the notes out wrote the structure out he took the song yeah played it and it actually wasn't bad and he he says in the video he goes this is not mine he goes this was created by chat GPT you know and I was like man what does that say for the future of musicians that chat GPT can go in and write a pretty decent song. But see, it's not creating anything new. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's the thing that people need to understand about AI. It can't create anything new. It's going to take information from all these different places and put it together. That may be something different than what, you, what you've seen before, but it's not, cre it's not just being created. It's not being written. Right. Yeah. I got you. So, 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 there's always in and look, there's some intricacies of musicianship that AI is not going to be able to reproduce. Makes sense. So it should electronic music. I'm sure it has no issues with stuff like that. Yeah. Even like metal music or even like um, some rock music and, and country music and stuff. Yeah. The guy wrote it. It was kind of, it was kind of a rock song. Like yeah. A pop I mean, rock song. you know, it's not, you're not going to have now. It won't be no like Stevie Ray Vaughan or like, you know, um, Eddie Van Halen or anything like that. But I'm seeing to just produce an actual song. Sure. Yeah. But you won't get the, you won't get, you won't get that top level of, well, it doesn't create moments either. I mean, real musicians read to lead to real musical musical moments. Uh, one that sticks in my mind is, uh, Dimebag Daryl, before he passed away, tried to reach out to Eddie Van Halen. He wanted the guitar that Eddie Van Halen played in Jump, the one that had the white tape on it and all that stuff, and Eddie wouldn't sell it. He's like, I won't sell it for any amount of money. Um, well, when Dimebag Daryl passed away, being unannounced, Eddie Van Halen showed up to Dimebag Daryl's funeral and put that guitar in his casket. And he was like, nobody on earth deserves it more than he does and buried him with that guitar real music creates those moments yeah right real input real musicians real respect real time in creates moments like that yeah so we we see these it doesn't matter what you do with a with a auto-tune machine it doesn't matter what you do with uh it doesn't matter what you do with 
you know, AI, you can't create those moments, right? <clears throat> no, and this goes back to your question about why it costs so much. You can't capture those moments without top flight awesome equipment. Very true. Very true. You can't. There's a reason why there's consoles that, like, you know, Dave Grohl went through all the trouble to, to put together his the the got the old console from the recordings and stuff that they did because of the magic it created. Yeah. For sure. Right. There's 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 elements to this that you it just happens. Oh, by the way, did you hear that Paul McCartney got reunited with his base that was stolen fifty years ago? He finally got it back? No. Yeah, man. Some guy showed up and they had his base and gave it back to him. Wow. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Fifty years, dude. Yeah, fifty years it was gone. Now he's got it back. That's <laughs> nuts, dude. That is nuts. Saw that on saw that on a headline. I was like, "What is that?" And I opened <laughs> it up, and there's apparently some dude apparently got stolen, and he replaced it. And out of nowhere, this dude shows up with his base. I, I don't know what he had to do to hunt down Sir Paul McCartney, but. Apparently he was a pretty good sleuth. So wow. again, another one of those moments in music, right? So, all right. So look, I, I would just final thoughts here. I think that we as a culture need to put more importance into music. I don't know if there's any way to go to to find you know to do something with that. I really don't. <laughs> okay, there's something I wanted to say. Oh, okay, okay. I'm well, sorry. Here it goes. I'm getting off track, but I have to say this. Um. Okay, so most Christian music mainstream is pretty bad. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. Yes. A lot of it's really bad. And the other day, I was trying to think of a situation where I heard music that had a God theme to it that was good. Now, most people would look at me and say, uh, DC Talk or Third Day. No, no. And, and, Everybody's going to think this is laughable. Creed. Say what you want. My sacrifice. Arms wide open. Those were songs that were sung from written from Scott Stapp that were based in his spiritual walk at that time. They were very honest. Right. If you, if, if any Christian artist is out there listening, if you want to make people want to listen to Christian music in a mainstream way, another band that does it is Thousand Foot Crutch, right? Um, be honest with what you're writing, right? Stop looking for the, you know, <laughs> the next hymn. I, th I feel like every Christian musician is chasing the next hymn. I don't even feel like that, though. I feel like it's the next old rugged cross, right? And I get that. Don't get me wrong. It's nice from time to time to hear the old rugged cross. It's nice time to time to hear how great thou art. It, those are great songs, right? Those are very powerful songs for their time. But if I was to advise, as, as a fan, as just a fan of music, and I am, I have no musical talent whatsoever on a, I could, if I strum a guitar, it'll explode. <laughs> um, if you want people like me to connect to the music that you're making, 
stop looking to make the next him and start looking to make the next arms wide open the next true rock song that talks about god or your experience with god instead of trying to write this 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 poetic you know verse repeat that that happens right sorry i just had to say that well uh, we could we could i i just have a lot of negative stuff about christian modern christian music i mean there's not all negative don't get me wrong but like i just don't it's i think the music the christian music industry is controlled and puts puts out it doesn't it doesn't seek anything but its own glory yeah it's very well and and, and, you know i'll be honest that's really what it is to me and i don't you know there's a reason why i'm not sitting here sitting playing in a worship group anymore i just don't I'm not, I'm just not enchanted by that, that, that thing. And, and when you play at a church, they want to play what's on the radio for their congregation. Yeah. And that's what I, I don't like what's on the radio. Cause some of the stuff on the radio isn't biblical. Well, I'm, is it theologically even correct? All right. Let's, let's, let's go along with like Hillsong, right? Like I don't. I've watched. If you watch the Hillsong documentary that they had, it was it's quite saddening. I didn't. I didn't watch um, it because I already know. But you know. But it, it put some things in in like visual for me. I'm a visual kind of guy, okay. right? So, um, a lot of the stuff that Hillsong writes is gitchy is the best word I can I can use. Like it's not catchy. It's it, but it's gimmicky, so I call it gitchy. Like it's, it's not. It's like you know, do not my feet upon the water. And and okay, we all know that Jesus walked on water, bro. We know you're trying to create that image. But Ocean, oceans is a fan. I I love that song. It's a good song, but it's still very. It's got this this every Christian song. Oh rhythm, yeah, I right? mean every every like. Well, the thing is that they've what what Christian music did was they found this formula that said, yeah. "Hey, this is how we can create an impact. Let's do yeah. this," and they only do that now. Yeah, like you can't. Uh, it's I, I just that's what I don't like. Like this, if you're that unimaginative about your freaking music, then how is that representing the God Most High, man? I mean, I just don't. I don't. One I of don't the one it. of the best one one of the best Christian songs ever written, man, was Norman Greenbaum, "Spirit in the Sky." Cause it doesn't, it it isn't trying, it isn't agenda driven, right? It's just a dude singing about his love of God, man, and about having a friend in Jesus, right? Like it's, and and I I feel like if people chase the spirit of that song and tried to really just pour into, you know, another great song that was religiously based, and I know Prince was a Jehovah's Witnesses, but the cross. If you listen to that song off the Sign of the Times album, uh, that was a man. That song will move you if you listen to it, like because it, it, it talks about you know black days, stormy nights, no love, no hope in sight. Don't cry for he's coming. Don't die without knowing the cross, right? Like there was a message, but it was so good. Sorry, all right, I, rabbit trail. My bad. 
Sorry. I'm, I, I, I won't say anything else because I'll keep talking. I know, because you and I could talk about music all night long. Yeah, maybe, but it's just, it's, but I, I would just get irritated. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you would. I think if I plied you with enough tobacco and and some good spirits, you'd be fine. Probably. But, uh, we're R&B Talks. Two chairs, two guys, two mics. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.